Welcome to Luther's Brew Brothers with Pastor Pat and Layman Dave. And we are coming to you with a guest pastor this week, Pastor Marcus Breitbarth here at Living Hope Lutheran Church, where we are uh, sitting recording with uh, Pastor Curley. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking today about the role of lay elders, as mm -hmm. Walter would call them. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, there's a little bit of confusion with elders and what that all means in the New Testament. So, uh, I some thought we, some uh, of it is the nomenclature. I mean, do we call them yeah. elders? Do we call them deacons? Sure. Do we call them? You know. So yeah, we're talking about you know the non-ordained guys that help the pastoral office and help pastor do his spiritual care. Right. So before we get going, what are you drinking, Pastor Curly? Well, I got an I got an Anger. It's uh, Anger is a uh, it's a Dunkel out of uh, uh, Germany. It's right close to Munich, kind of ground zero for Oktoberfest. So I'm figuring, hey, you know what? Reformation's on the horizon. I gotta give my uh, German brothers a nod. Ooh, fancy! What are you guys up to? I see pink solo cups. Oh yeah, we we're, we're sharing we're sharing a, a stone beer uh, down understruck IPA. Why, uh, why am I not surprised? Yeah. He's now, a Stones guy. Honestly, I, I went out looking for Pliny the Elder because I thought oh, it would yeah. be perfect IPA to go with our conversation. But guess what? Uh, they don't have it in our area. There's no distribution in our area. So you know it what? was available to me. I know you're coming our way for uh, Thanksgiving time. I'll have to look for that. Pliny the Elder. I know I've seen it. Pliny the Elder, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Well, we're, we're off to a good start, you know, <laughs> some good beers. Well, Marcus, we got the brother, sisters. good to meet yeah. you. We were chatting a little bit. Uh, fine, fine young man there. Well, okay, you, get so, us, you get us going, brother, because this was something right. I know you and I have talked about, the importance of a good board of elders in a congregation supporting and uh, working with uh, the pastor as the shepherd under Christ. Right. So I know this is something that, that is uh, near and dear to your heart, and you're a, certainly a good example of it. Right. And so we were we were kind of just going over the different, uh, you know, the, the actually the first thing we should talk about is what is the role of an elder or what Walter would say a lay elder would be? Mm -hmm. uh, because there seems to be some confusion in our LCMS about that, about what the what the role should be. Um, yeah. And, you know, from what I can from what I can ascertain uh, from Scripture, it is, uh, you know, that. The a lay elder is an assistant, basically, or a, an aide or a helper to the pastor. I, I would agree. I mean, I'm looking at First Timothy three, and the, the language in the NIV here that I just happen to have open is overseers and deacons, but pastors and elders. And uh, you know, this is the different moral criteria, the spiritual maturity, all that stuff goes into it. Husband of one wife. Uh, good reputation with outsiders, um, good marriage. Uh, I don't know that that insinuates that an elder needs to be married, but if he is, he doesn't have a harem. So I mean, uh, <laughs> these kind of things are all are all good uh, good things. But there's definitely I don't use the word hierarchy, but there's definitely an ordering of authority here. And God is very, very much a God who's into order and a proper understanding of authority. So the pastor is the called and ordained servant of the word. But, you know, like the apostles found in the uh, apostolic church, you can't do it all. There's a lot of things that come up 
there's, uh, depending on your size of your congregation, maybe even, um, in back in the day, I remember when a pastor needed to take his vacation time, it was an elder of the church, a layman, who uh, gave the sermon. He didn't consecrate, but uh, my dad was on our board of elders where I grew up at Holy Trinity, and he would fill in for Pastor Hansen quite often, and pastor would review his sermon, and, uh, you know, they would talk about that kind of stuff, and there was no confession, absolution, no uh, benediction at the end. Those are that's the language of the pastoral office. But so, yeah, I would agree if if uh, if that's what working from Walther there, if that was your source again, that you're there to assist the pastor in the spiritual care mm-hmm. of of the congregation. I think is the best way of describing the role. It seemed like Walther was uh, kind of being very careful about about that role because it seemed to in in history it seemed to be more of an american lutheran church issue because a lot of the a lot of the germans that would come over weren't used to lay elders that it wasn't a a uh it wasn't something they were that they had known before not only that they weren't used to uh church councils and voters meetings either that's definitely an american construct some of it spilled over from American culture. I mean, here you're in America now. It kind of, some of it rubs off. But some of it too, Pastor Stefan, who come over, you know, he basically has an affair. The people are, now what do we do? You know, we can't look to our our spiritual head as a trustworthy man. So I think Walther intended, or, you know, it was a compromise maybe initially to, to satisfy or a little bit placate the laity Hey, hey, that look. Uh, yeah, it is clergy. It is our pastors, but you have a you have a stake in this too, and and this is your church too. Not all of that's bad, by the way. I mean, if you look at First Corinthians twelve, the body of Christ, many parts. So I personally, I will say, I respect and I always have the role of the laity. As I would even go so far as to say, partners in the mission and the ministry of the church. Albeit, there are things very specific to my calling and on the question of authority as it comes to the word anyway buck stops here i mean yeah. i'm the one that has to answer before god oh sure uh, in yeah that unique way right pa- pastors have this unique responsibility that they're not only responsible for themselves but they're responsible for their people which, right. which is is a, it's a heavy duty responsibility different roles and responsibilities within the body of Christ i like the um first corinthians 12 that you mentioned yeah yeah and, you know th- that each part functions uh the priesthood of all believers you know that uh and and, and really you know we were talking earlier and uh, you talked a little bit about you know how do we bring Christ to the people right. um right and, that mission, that mission of of uh, proclaiming the gospel, shining the gospel forth, um, and that is something that we do as a body of Christ. That is something that we support and encourage each other. And um, you know, even think of like in the Old Testament, um, holding up the prophet's hands. Oh yeah, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, um, that that it, it that, that, I, that when I think of the role of the elders, um, that's kind of a another piece that is really a, a blessing when when these things kind of are in place and and, and you you kind of god has has led and, and and the church has has kind of formed this group that um 
you know, the, 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 the pastor has weakness. The pastor has, um, well, you can't be all things and can't do all things to all people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the strength of the numbers, the, 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 someone to, to be there to lift up the pastor in, in, in all the, all the do. So I yeah, absolutely you, agree. You were talking about the old Testament and, uh, I was kind of going back and looking, hey, you know, where was the first time where we see elders in the Old Testament? And it really kind of all goes back even into Egypt. But really, with the first time we see elders as something where they're spiritual leaders is Numbers uh, chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. I'll read that. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and I will talk with you there and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. I like the emphasis there on the the spirits conferred because there are some church bodies uh, presbyterians come to mind where there's two factions of elders there's the spiritual side and then there's the administrative side and i think biblically for what we're interested in as lutheran christians is the spiritual side the spiritual care yes that you know, yeah, we have a, a, a board that can take care of, like we have a treasurer, probably every congregation, the trustees that manage property. That's not what we're talking about here today. We're talking about men that directly have, and this is partly why they are men, because they have that added authority and, and responsibility of spiritual care in the congregation. They can fill in for the pastor in certain ways, uh, even, be it, you know, I mentioned vacation time or something. But even um, I'd like to think good elders uh, uh, can make a hospital call and they can go see the sick and pray with them. And they're not freaked out. They know the Bible enough right. where they can bring certain words to bear from God's word as a comfort to those who are suffering. Because sometimes you depending on schedules and stuff. I mean, it, it's getting hard uh, with uh, our aging congregations with the number of shut-ins and I do a lot of visitation and I, I consider that a staple of my ministry but you can't be everywhere all at once and especially if a bunch of things happen all at once I like to know that I could call an elder to say hey look I'm going here to see Mary uh, Betty uh, is going through something really tough right now you know her husband just had a heart attack can you go be with her for a little while and I'll come see her tomorrow because I'm with this family going through their tragedy. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. And right. so it's the spiritual side, the spiritual care that I think a good elder uh, uh, represents in the congregation. Right. And then there's, you know what, within the church body, there are also disputes, right? And elders can help with sometimes with oh, yeah. disputes that, that happen. I remember, yeah. I remember filling in on a dispute with, with, the, with some members uh, when I was an elder under you. Yeah. And and it worked out really well. But just the the, the fact that I, you're able to be there and be a peacemaker, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's not like, you know, hey, I'm going to throw Mammon under the bus. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was him. No, it's not. They both but, left it. You messed it up. <laughs> but I tell you, I mean, to know 
that you've got somebody uh, that's got your back. And and again, not just because they're, uh, you know, a nodding fool. Yes, man. Oh, whatever you say, pastor, I'm your groupie. No, it's because you're a godly man into the word and you yeah. re- realize truth from error. And so you support the pastor who's speaking God's truth. Right. And that is true. You and I have never always agreed on everything. No, so. not everything. <laughs> you well, know, and, and, and most and I, things. But. I, I, yeah. I, I think, too, that, um, you know, Jesus called the twelve and taught them. So then they went out and, yes. um, you know, that time of really just having a group of people that are in the word and really receiving that word um and then being able to kind of go out i guess within the larger congregation and in the community um and uh you know you know really um be able to have that mind frame and 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 speak that word and and Mm -hmm encouraging that word and share that word, whether it be, you know, a, a hospital visit or, you know, however they're called on doing it, right, you're just right. increasing the, the, the number of, of, of people that are going out. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a blessing. In, in, it in can be. Works. The body, yeah. the, the body of Christ can be an octopus. There's a lot of arms that yeah, are I, reaching out, you know, it's not just you and me, you know, uh, but there's a lot of, ideally, it is. And yeah. I've said this to the to my congregation uh, routinely that, you know, some of them, some lay people will think their duty ends in informing me about <laughs> this or that or this person. Yeah. To uh, Customarily, a lot of times I'll, I'll ask something like, oh, well, what did they say when you called them? You know, like, so a lot of times it's who hasn't been in church. Like, I'm the only guy that's responsible for chasing after the wandering sheep or so-and-so hasn't been. I mean, yeah, I see that they're not here, but what are you doing about it too? I mean, this can't be just the clergy's job. In fact, I honestly think, I don't know if you found this to be true, Marcus, but I think when a, when a layman says to a fellow member, kind of where you been, we miss you. It resonates in a different way because the pat, well, we're paid to say it. It's our duty. It's our job. Um, But when, when so I think it's actually better when an elder does a delinquent call. I'm totally, mm. I, I agree with you that that's kind of been my experience and, uh, you know, it's, it's different gifted, you know, as, as we're talking about kind of this group of people that just, you know, have that passion and their faith expression is just that, that deep drawing on the word and, and really mining it for all the treasure that it is, yeah. you know, God has given the gift to others of, being service right of fellowship of hospitality you know, maybe enters in a little bit yeah yeah maybe it, hospitality is even a even, better word than fellowship even know, encouragement than, yeah encouragement i mean there the, the, mm-hmm. the body has all these different parts and you know kind of those that have have the kind of that passion and that gift of of of, of that 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 um that study of the word if you will Right. Uh, gathering them together and then and then being able to serve the church um, mm-hmm. with that group, you know, Compa- as we, yeah, absolutely. Because compa- compassion cannot be limited to the pastor. Uh, compassion should be the hallmark of every Christian that yeah. we are our brother's keeper. So when somebody's sick, 
when somebody's missing, when somebody's got a grievance. Um, I would like to know that there's somebody else besides me that they feel comfortable and and um, talking to, but also we'll get good advice. We'll get good counsel that, you know, let, let's say in the instance that the issue is with the pastor. Well, I mean, Matthew 18 would tell us that we're supposed to go talk to the individual, the pastor. But most people, and again, my experience has been, aren't necessarily willing to do that. But I think if they talk to a, a trusted elder, I would feel okay that they're not going behind my back. As long as I know my elders are, again, godly men into the word, supportive, that there's a there's a, a relationship we share as a starting point. Ultimately, I think the pastor needs to be included in the loop. But mm -hmm. I think maybe as a first step, if a, a member has some issue uh, with the pastor, they can talk, talk to an elder. So there's another layer of what are what's the role of an elder? You know, somebody that uh, can be sought out for godly counsel and and such. Hopefully, they'll get good advice and not like, you know, <laughs> let's get rid of this bum. You know, uh, that's not helpful to the body of Christ. So yeah, if we and then, then if we move into the New Testament and we look at Acts six, uh, starting at verse two, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God." To serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this this yeah. is the, the New Testament equivalent of what we were just talking about with the Old Testament with Moses and the sure. 70 elders, where the churches Delegating. are growing, right? We, we've got the churches growing like crazy the the 12 can't manage right everything that's going on so they right. said Let, we need we need to appoint some guys to help us with this right, right. so this is kind of the, the 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 beginning of that role well the catalyst was in in that specific uh incident was the distribution of food you yeah. know and so well, there were is, just, is, well there is that is that a temporal duty or a spiritual i think they kind of overlap you know yeah okay they wanted to make sure the the Gentile widows were were getting their fair cut uh, with with the Jews, and so they wanted to make sure it was being distributed fairly. But I'm sure a lot of godly counsel and prayer went along with that distribution. It wasn't like, okay, here's your food, now get out of here. Um, I'm sure these guys met them at a spiritual level too. Right. And well, so they, again, they, not they, just responsible the guys. There were some qualifications for who they would pick. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't just like you, you're a good manager. You can organize, you know, duties. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have maybe good business acumen, but I don't know that they're necessarily uh, suited or, or best in mind as an elder. That I'm looking. I'm looking for something very specific. When I ask a man in my congregation to serve as an elder, it's more than being a nice guy. It's somebody that demonstrates some spiritual maturity and some commitment to the truth, to God's word, and, and to church. They're there. Yeah. I mean, they're participating. Uh, they've demonstrated, uh, you know, uh, godliness in their life. That's the, that's the thing. How, 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 how easy is it getting these days to find, find those guys? You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah, harder but sometimes. Others then can be an encourager and an example in terms of engaging in worship, engaging in Bible study, engaging in prayer right. and 
emotion and yeah. lead by example. You right. Know, they're the there themselves, and and uh, so that they're looked at as a kind of a. I'd like to think a good elder is a kind of a role model. Certainly, it's a given that the pastor needs to be that. Yeah. But I'd like, you know, uh, I'd like to think that there are other men in the congregation too, because that's something I find very lacking. Not, we're not talking here, here necessarily, even just about the church, but just society in general. Good male role models, because I think the whole question of male headship, the whole question of what it means to be a man, has been so maligned and misunderstood. You got on the one hand John Wayne or, uh, you know, James Bond, you know, the swashbuckler, the tough guy, the, the lover, he conquer, conqueror of women. You know, yeah. you got to, that, that's what it means to be a man. Well, no, it isn't. But then, you know, on the other side that, you know, oh, to be a man, you're, you got to change diapers and, you know, cook dinner and, you know, arrange flowers. And it's like, well, OK, I got I got, I'm in touch with my feminine side. But, you know, that's not it either. And it's about, to me, godly men. To be a man is to be connected to your heavenly father. We learn from our dads what it means to be a man, ideally. And, and maybe that's a breakdown, too, sometimes. But our heavenly father, it's our Jesus showed what it was to be a man. He yeah. was completely gentle and kind when needs be. But, boy, I tell you, you pushed him in the wrong way. And he was no sissy. And yeah. he was very proud to talk about his dependence to his father. He was always doing what his dad told him. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea that headship isn't brutal, headship isn't, you know, uh, bossing and shoving people around and giving barking orders. It, it's, it's kindness, it's gentleness, but in a strong and a res- resolute way. That, yeah. That's something we got to teach to our children, but also, you know, encourage in our men to rise up as that kind of a man. So Christ is head of the church. And right. Christ gave himself for the church. And, you know, we in our households, the call is self-sacrifice. The call is to to give ourselves out of love for our family, for our our spouse. Yes. It's interesting that that's exactly, you know, in uh, Ephesians 6 with the whole uh, discourse of, of male headship, women's subordination that gets a lot of bad press sometimes it's the male is got the higher duty i mean he's called upon to lay down his life as you just said and uh, modeling after christ who died for his bride the holy church and uh, to make her holy by his blood so Mm -hmm. i mean this idea that to be a man you have to be somehow tough or being a man means you know that the whole goal of maleness is to be a nice guy it's somewhere in the middle there's a warrior spirit uh, that God has given, you know, an, uh, an adventurous spirit uh, in the in the male uh, heart that I think sometimes, you know, we can't express in a constructive, positive way. Either it becomes abusive or it becomes kind of, you know, uh, 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 just castrated and where you can't really, you know, express your maleness uh, in, a, in a way it seems like more and more. And that may be some of the reason why uh, we're not finding some of these examples uh, in society, but also in the churches. You know, it's it's the abuses, the extremes again that have confused what it means to be a man. Yeah, yeah. The dirty words these days are patriarchy or head or male headship. It's, Stuff like that. Yeah, they're uh, it's 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 basically our society is wanting to 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 mean it as men rule over women with an like an iron fist or something. 
And it's not like that at all. No, it's protecting our women. Sure. Um, Right. Strength that's willing to risk and sacrifice all. Women are sinners, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They need protection. And it's funny how one of the things that broke down is when Adam chose to go to woman over God. You know, he basically he acquiesces to Eve. Right. And hey, who doesn't like a beautiful woman? I mean, hey, that we all, you know, we're all married guys. We married our our wives because we thought they were attractive. They were beautiful. We enjoy that coming together as the one flesh. But that's not maleness either. And I think so much of it is focused in the movies anyway, again, on that sexual, um, you know, prowess, you know, uh, uh, you know, that stamina. You're a stud, you know, that kind of thing. And and it's one of the wrong versions of maleness, of, of power and authority. It means being tough and maybe even uh, abusive, like with Sean Connery. You know, sometimes you got to smack him around a little bit when they talk. Yeah. Out of, you know, what is like, that, well, dude? And, and it's the wrong picture of absolutely too. It's the wrong picture of you know the the beauty of different, but when the different come together, um, you know they. That that's it was good, you know. It God at the good. very beginning. That's what he know, said. That that yeah. and at the at the beginning, you know, like there was no one to c- complete. There was no helpmate for Adam, and it was not good that man was alone. Right. And then with the creation of woman, it's it's good. It's very good. It's actually. very good. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. and he blessed it. it fruitful yeah. and multiply babies. Right. You know. How much yeah. are we edified also by our children and our family? So God had a good thing going here with a proper understanding of manliness, of if we call it headship here, or just, you know, being a man um, under Christ. Or just, re, you know, and we're talking really what it comes down to is respect for uh, these roles that, that God has given to men and to women, right? So, and, and in terms of uh, going back to the, the role of elder, it is, it is a, a male role. And uh, women shouldn't feel that they're lesser, right, for not having that role. No, no, uh, not at all. It's, it's no, it's, it's, it's the, again, that question of authority. And authority isn't necessarily about being better. You know, that's where I think the breakdown in society is. When you say somebody's an authority, you're subtly saying, well, they're better than you. No, they've been given a charge and a duty uh, to exercise a particular office. Uh, a, a set of duties for the mutual good of all. It's not yeah. like it's not like those in authority are supposed to be getting anything out of it yeah. better than the rest of them. See, that's the abuse then of the bat, the despot king, or the, the dictator who profits by his office of authority. It's abuse of authority. That's not authority. Authority is you know the responsibility of uh, doing something for the good of others, not for yourself. And so there's not. There's nothing to be gained in the sense of authority and, and uh, male headship in terms of, you know, uh, uh, some sort of a, a prestige or recognition or applause or money or et cetera. It's not about that. It's about service. And Jesus is the perfect example, again, yes, yes. of demonstrating here he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the Son of God, God incarnate. And yet he considered the height of it to debase himself. Uh, you know, to take the form of a servant, to wash his disciples' feet, to be nailed to the cross. Yeah. So if that's what authority means, boy, I think that's that's a beautiful picture of it, rightly understood. 
and that's the role I would like to think of not only pastor, but then the elder who supports pastor, that you're willing to exercise that authority. And God vested that in Adam, and it continued forward. And that's why we do what we do. Yeah, I, I, that that Philippians chapter two, it's it's great. Look look back, you know, he, he yeah. humbled himself, you know, he, he, he even though um, he was true God. Um, I, I mean, I think another word is responsibility. You know, yeah, yeah the word authority, but also the word responsibility. And um, y- y- you know, when you have that role um, for the mutual good of the body and and for everyone, right. um, it kind of falls on you you know there's kind of something about how god ordered this and there's there's a good order of of how he has done things i think so (laughs) yeah exactly i think god knows what he's doing and um yeah i i i think and and that's kind of a big thing within um lutheranism with with you know kind of one of the things that that luther found in his time you know he saw a breakdown of authority Mm. he went and visited the churches and man some of these churches some of these pastors don't even have bibles no they've really strayed from you know what this is this is christ church and what this is all about they don't know the ten commandments they didn't know the bible from a hole in the ground i mean yeah yeah. and and, you know so he's like man like all right here we, we gotta we gotta have those leaders, we got to have those people that are really being faithful and, and, and getting it forward. And then, you know, he recognized that also in his own house, you know, that the transformation of, you know, he went from a time where they were in the monastery and, you know, yeah. pastors weren't getting married and they were being, they were, they believed in the call of celibacy and, and Luther came to see the, godly work the responsibility maybe responsibility is a way to say it of 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 having a family having a spouse for those that god had called to do that and then you know he wrote the small catechism as you know this is this is now the recognition that there is someone in each household that it is their responsibility to teach the children in the faith. Right. It was, uh, an, it, it was an Enchiridion, yeah. a Christian manual for dads. Yeah. You yes. know? And pastors, yes. too. I mean, the church used it, too. But it was yes. meant for the household. And uh, I, like, I like that way of talking about it. Someone's, someone's got to do this. Someone's got to be responsible. This is something too important to leave, uh, you know, up to, well, maybe we'll get to it or not. No, this needs to be you know a, a priority so dad that falls on you you know and i, I mean peter uses that term uh, weaker sex and some will say well that's not a moral capacity it's you know talking about the physicalness i mean they're, they're, what exactly god meant uh in in some of these words i think especially trying to understand them in a modern context where we have you know a, a female vice president in the united states and uh, females serving in various uh, other offices in Congress, as well as CEOs, you name it. Um, David and I both have daughters. I don't know, Marcus, did you have a daughter? I do, yeah. Okay, so we got girls. We want them to excel and be, you know, be all they yeah. can be. My my middle daughter is uh, a veterinarian, and my youngest daughter, uh, she's uh, serving our United States Navy, and a very uh, uh, proud. We're very proud of her. She's a warrior. 
So, I mean, it, it gets hard sometimes for us to mesh out some of these passages that talk about this issue of, of maleness. And I'm, there's more to being an elder than just being a man. But it, is, it does bear in because here's the point. The, the maleness part of it does reflect that aspect of who's been given the responsibility, who has the authority under, under Christ's created order. And I think that's where it becomes important. Um, and, and we can argue with God in heaven if we want to when we get there. It's like, well, why, you know, why the guys? Was it because they were bigger and stronger, Lord? Is that what you meant? Or why was Adam created first and then Eve followed? He doesn't explain some of this stuff to us, but he's given it to us nonetheless. And I think there's something, there's something that he intends by it um, that I think is, is worthy of respect and upholding even in our changing modern times. Well, one thing we can say, though, is that when, when church is functioning perfectly, is that there's, there's respect for the order of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means respecting women, too. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. It means respecting mothers, mother, motherhood. My goodness. What an important uh, duty and responsibility of its own right. And it carries authorities, too, in its own way. And, and so, I and, mean... And, and, and I, I mean, I do think, and we've talked about this before, I don't know if it was on a podcast or not, but God can shame men by putting women in charge when they fall short. Yeah. Well, and I think in, in a lot of cases, that's more, I think, why I raised this in the first place is, is it getting hard to find godly men willing to stand up and be counted? And I think some ways it is. And there's a variety of reasons, I, go, I guess, um, why that has uh, transpired. But I think we need to encourage our men to, you know, uh, take hold of their God-given role, that that wildness of heart, that spirit within, uh, you know, to be the uh, the warrior, the conqueror, the adventurer. And this doesn't put women down. It's just saying, you know, God has put something in men. There's a reason that little boys get in trouble in school <laughs> more than little girls, because yeah. we, little boys are mischievous. It's just something in our nature that I think God has given us that we've lost in the sense of niceness. So like, oh, you, you can't let, let's give him uh, Ritalin to calm him down. Yeah. It's like, nah, let, yeah. let him run wild. That's who he's supposed yeah. to be. He's a boy. Our, yeah. col- our yeah. culture is pushing toward that, uh, that there is no distinctions, right? That neutering, but, that neutering. Yeah. That we're all just, you know, like people. It's like, wait, no, we're a male people or a female people. And, and there's beauty in, in the, the diversity. Yeah. You know, oh, amen. That and, uh, I, I was reading, um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Ephesians 5 and uh, reading kind of a, some study notes on this today. And uh, one of the points that I thought was kind of memorable um, and, and to me highlighted the beauty of God's creation and how he's doing it for the good of the unit and for uh, for the family and for society. Um, as it was talking about, you know, Christ is the head of the church and uh, in a similar way, you know, the man is the, the head of the the wife, um, yeah. but but then it made the point, it said, you know, within the body, um, you know, you need a head right. and you need a heart. Mm. And, it, it, you know, I, I thought that this Lutheran study Bible was kind of on, on this. I, I don't know, I, I, that, that image, image just kind of reminded me again of the importance of all the yeah. body, body of Christ yeah. and the roles. Working we, together. It's you a, can't it, live without a head, but you can't right, live without a heart. a heart either. It's a partnership. And I think that's where I think the question of who's better or who's 
lesser, it becomes moot and irrelevant. It's not an issue of being more important or better or worse. Um, I remember talking to a a lady in my uh, former congregation about, you know, well, uh, gee, do all women get to do is, you know, altar guild and Sunday school as if that's demeaning somehow. And it's like, well, what do you mean? You know, my mother preached a lot, but it just wasn't Sunday morning. (laughs) She gave me a lot of sermons growing up. (laughs) Yeah, you don't don't have to be a pastor to lead. No. Yeah. You don't. And a lot of things, well, you know, in terms of pastor, but also I think, again, this bears a little bit, it bears a little bit an elder. The difference is public. We do it publicly. You know, not all of us can get up there and talk at once. So there's an, again, order, structure. Authority raises the question of order and structure. And and God likes things in decency, in decency and good order. So it's, a, it's an issue of, in some ways, it's an issue of organization. But putting the right person, you know how it is in any organization. You put the right person in charge of the right thing, and, and the company moves moves along. You put right. the right person in charge of, of you know, the, the troops you know, you don't want somebody that's incompetent or doesn't have those talent. You put the right person in charge, you know, and I realize when we're talking about the duties and roles, people say, well, wait, a woman could do that. It's not a question of here, do they have the ability, yeah. but, but do they have the calling? Call has God, be- yeah, has God called it, them? It, I, I've even gone so far to say sometimes when people talk about certain things and well, I, I've even gone so far as to think in my own head, based on experience, that there are things where the call really, you know, is for men, but women could do it probably in better in terms of skill, but it's not their call, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, maybe like compassion within, uh, you know, as you kind of look at at, at, at uh, spiritual leaders as compassionate people and people who, um, you know, whatever, some of those those qualities sometimes in my experience have have been i've seen those more in women in my life but the question isn't who's qualified as you were kind of saying yeah it's really just about who's calling yeah well you know? and and let's raise up those qualities in in our men too i think men have checked out in a lot of ways and I think women have those qualities maybe because they tend to be more Bible readers and worship attenders. It's yeah. not that their their gender, yeah. uh, you know, uh, foreordains that they're going to be more compassionate than a man. I had an uncle, my uncle Boots, David uh, knows him. He was just a dear Christian man, very influential in my life. My, my mother's brother, he could have been a great pastor, but he took care of his parents and good layman, a good godly layman. But I say he was the most... He, I see that man cry. I see him. He was the most compassionate, caring uh, person you'd ever want to meet. But I think the thing of it was for for Boots is he was a man connected to Christ. And I think that's that's maybe, you know, instead of talking about the qualities and who is better equipped sometimes, can I, I, I can see your point. A lot of times women, frankly, are more spiritual, spiritually mature sometimes, too. They know their Bibles better. I mean, yeah. m- my wife can quote Bible verses probably better than most of the men I've, I've met growing up in turn, because she's into the word. She's connected. She has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that's the thing that we need to encourage in, in the men of our congregations is, you said it a little bit, David, is 
you know, that, you know, God shames the men uh, with the women taking charge because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And I think part of what they're not doing is connecting to Christ. They're not, they're not into the word. They're not worshiping. They're not prayerful. And so they're spiritually withering and they're not, the Holy Spirit's not going to use them. You know, he's not going to raise up men like that for his church. So, you know, God will use like he did Deborah, you know, as one of the judges in the, uh, the Old Testament. So it's not unheard of that God can use women. It's just, you know, uh, what God chooses to do and how he d does it. But I think if men put themselves in a better position of uh, being of connectedness, a relationship uh, with God through Christ, I think the spirit would work through them uh, more powerfully than I've been seeing. Yeah. So if we if we shift gears a little bit, you were alluding to this a little bit earlier uh, the difference between uh, uh, preaching and teaching uh, ministry and a lay elder, for example. Uh, I looked up First uh, Timothy five seventeen, and it says, "Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching." Mm. So, so here Paul it does is, seem to be a distinction. Paul is 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 pointing out that. The, the the term elder is is used interchangeably uh, for those who preach and teach, but then who administer, who help the pastor, mm -hmm. who help the... the Which the, is kind of a Presbyterian model. It's, you know, the hard thing is, I mean, I hear that passage. Well, I, I wouldn't I, say, uh, yeah, I mean, it says who rule, but I wouldn't necessarily put that in the terms of, uh, you know, like administration. I would put that only. in terms of a helper yeah. to the pastoral office. Well, we talked about this before. You know, how, how do you really distinguish the two anyway uh, in terms of uh, what, 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 when do administrative duties uh, end and spiritual duties begin? Invariably, they interwine because it's the ministry of the church and, and Christ is at work in, in his total body in all of its various and, and uh, uh, distinct parts. So, you know, I don't, I, again, I, I hear the verse, but I think, you know, ideally what we're talking about in terms of those who serve in these capacities, it's a spiritual issue. Therefore, that's where the issue of authority and, and, and maleness headship comes into play. I yeah. see them kind of integrated. Otherwise, well, I'd say, hey, let the women do it. If it's just an administrative duty, they can do it as well as anybody else. But then we also have uh, Philippians 1, 1, uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So we have mm -hmm. these other terms thrown in there too, overseers and deacons. Uh, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. I'll be honest, I think in the New Testament, you know, what these, uh, these labels, you got evangelist, you got prophet, you got apostle, you got overseer, you got episcopoi, bishop, you got all these different uh, terms. It's like, well, who did what? I don't know that we can completely understand the New Testament model or say that it was a universally understood system. Uh, what is kind of broken down to, a lot of those words have kind of been vested into the word now, pastor, and then all the, some of the other ones, we just kind of put them in the word elder. Right. And, and so, that's kind of been our system for a long time. Yeah, so what Walther did was he kind of uh, likened deacon and lay elder as the same kind of a role mm -hmm. uh, and as separate from the pastoral office. I, well, yeah, I think there's a distinction. Yeah. There's a distinction in, um, 
you know, Augsburg Confession, nobody's uh, to to um, uh, preach or administer the sacraments who are not called and ordained. Right. You know, uh, I think there needs to be distinction in that office, um, but I think it carries over very closely, a close second, uh, to the the elder, even though the elder is doesn't have this, again, by our modern system, they don't have the same requirements of uh, education, seminary, or other path along those routes. They're not tested uh, ecclesiastically. In other words, there's no church body that vets them and says, okay, you're qualified. It's kind of in-house. We do it as congregations. So, I mean, again, we're we're not we're a little bit for farther away from actually a New Testament model in some ways, but it's 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 a functioning model. And I guess some would argue, well, that's where it becomes open to well, either women serving or just different things. It's just I we've gotten part, away from a biblical I think, model. I think part of it comes from the church Catholic, right, that, you know, like what was handed down right. and the, the laying out of hands from you know, from, uh, from pastor to, from, from pastors to other pastors. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Some of it's been, been handed down that way. And, uh, in the new Testament church, you got to, I mean, there, it was growing rapidly. Right. So you, right. you had these men's that were ra- these men that were raised up by the Holy spirit and they were, they were, they were vetted, right. They were vetted in terms of, you know, husband, well, the apostles. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Not given too much wine and, you know, they they had the, they had these criteria that they met, and but. some of them did seem to travel. I mean, you got Timothy that seems to be in different places, but then you got Titus who's left in charge there on Crete. So, I mean, some of the guys moved around. They could take a call to other congregations, and some of them couldn't. Yeah. And that's kind of a little bit what we're doing today too, with some of these different um, uh, offices of of pastoral ministry is some guys can take a call to another congregations, but some can't. Some yeah. are under uh, supervision and others aren't. So I think we're doing our best to meet the needs of, of spiritual care and a gospel ministry. And I think uh, that's, that's the challenge of our church body today. It, it can't, obviously there's just not enough pastors to go around. And so we've got to figure out some way to equip uh I would say the men of our congregation uniquely to step up because God has given us that calling. And I think he's given us something in our maleness. And I, you know, it sounds very misogynistic to some, but it really isn't. I'm not making a judgment uh, uh, on the betterness or the superiority of men, but there is something different about being a man and something different about being a woman. And those things should be recognized and celebrated rather than just kind of homogenized. So there's something in the maleness in that, that strength yeah. You know, I'll just use the word strength that God intends to work through to give some authority, some certainty, some power and grit to what we do in ministering in such an important way as spiritual. I mean, we're talking about eternal life here. Right. You know, these are this is as high, this is as important as it gets. We don't want to just put anybody in charge and do it however we think. Well, this works. We don't want to be pragmatists here. That's where we would say, oh, gee, whoever can do this job. Uh, best. Um, let's just go with that. No, this is important. We're talking about uh, eternal life. So we want to do it God's way and yeah. what God has prescribed. And that's where these issues come up, uh, you know, of raising godly men as leaders in their churches. Yeah. Yeah. So and, 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 and even 
not a pragmatic thing, but my experience as I've seen it um, is that when husbands are active in the faith, mm-hmm. um, dads are active in the faith, that um, their children, when they are older, they actually, actually, my experience, I've seen more of those children continue to be active in the faith. You know, um, amen. Bless God bless, you know, I have family members where dad checked out yeah. and mom was the one that made sure, you know, kids went to church. Mom was doing a great job. And, but, but I've seen more, there's something I think about how we're wired that, 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 um, you know, when, when, when dad fulfills the responsibility and really, you know, is teaching his children, is bringing them into church, bringing them into the faith, bringing them to Jesus. Right. right. You know, I, I don't know. It's just some, my ex- Something sticks. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think there's something that we get. I mean, again, I, I had a dad and mom at home, but there's something about dad and I don't think this is some, you know, carryover from Father Knows Best 1950s sitcoms. I think it's rooted in creation that children get something from their father in, in sense of their self-esteem, their sense of self-worth, that they don't quite get in the same way from mother. From mother, they get that that care and compassion. You kind of mentioned that earlier. And I yeah. agree. You know, if I skin my knee, I didn't go to dad. I went to mom. Mom, yeah. you know, and she would, oh, you know, those kids you know, put it. Dad would say, quit whining, you know, stiffen up. And you needed both. You needed sometimes to be told, quit whining. And sometimes you needed a little bit of TLC. And I think that's the beautiful thing of that working design within the household. And I I, I realize how antiquated that sounds to many people. But you know what? When we talk about the Word of God, you look at what is 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 about spiritual discernment. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who believe it is the power of God and salvation. And I think that carries over in a lot of what we've been talking about today, a lot of these passages that, that we've mentioned, both Old and New Testament, to the modern ear, it sounds like, come on, you guys, you know, this is the 21st century, get with it. But I think they're not spiritually discerning. The spirit is not working through his word. And so they see it as a competition between men and women for power and for authority and recognition. And it's never, from the Christian point of view, it's never about that. It's never about what do I get out of this? It's about what can I do? And I I think we need to acknowledge that in our sinfulness, historically, and even now, that when there is authority or headship, it is, it's abused, you know, there has been, you know, that, um, I mean, right after the man-woman um, discussion in Ephesians 5, it goes into the parental discussion. Right, and, yeah, don't exacerbate, dads, don't exacerbate your children. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you know, I mean, we we know the commandment, uh, the fourth commandment, the honor your father and mother, and actually in Ephesians 6, you know, it says, and there's a promise that goes along with this commandment. Yeah, long you life. know, that, that, that a, a, a long, prosperous life, if you will, um, yeah. you, it will go well for you when you enter into the land. But then right after that, there's a recognition. The law comes down a little bit and says, you know, 
And to you dads, yeah. um, you know, don't don't abuse your position. Don't abuse right. what God has given you. It's a responsibility, and and it, it's to be, you know, yeah. That's definitely, I think, some of the trouble that that we're talking about on the on the one side of this equation is the abuse. Um, and you see this in in clergy. I mean, we're all familiar. I don't want to name any names, but you know, church bodies that are suffering uh, from it maybe more than some others. But um, you know, you you lose face and you lose credibility when you take that authority and use it for personal gain in some way, uh, be it you know via some kind of perversity or even just financial or whatever it is. That's never the pur- purpose of of authority and responsibility. It's always it's always vested in service. And again, I go back to the model of Jesus, you know, the head of his church and how he modeled his authority as uh, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He did it by by submitting to the cross. Yeah. So this idea that, you know, authority is somehow, you know, uh, a means to, you know, get what you want is a complete misunderstanding of the word and why the world doesn't understand it because that's how they understand authority. Yeah. Authority is to boss people around and smack them around. But, but you know, we, as through eyes of faith, recognize that really all authority in heaven on, and on earth has been given to Jesus. Yeah. And his good order. Exactly what he says right before we, the Great Commission. We are the under shepherds. We are right. uh, the ones that, you, you know, even our, our, our children are his children that he has placed with us as parents. And right. he's given us that calling to care for them and nourish them and guide them and lead them and teach them. And, you know. Right. So in a, in a sense, you know, you see Jesus, you know, also in that role of obedient son. And I think that's where we take our cue too, as men in the church, be it pastor or, or lay elders, David used that title. And, um, uh, and I think it's an appropriate one. You know, we, we model ourselves as being connected to our Heavenly Father. We're obedient children. We're doing as Dad said. You know, we're not trying to recreate His church or, you know, shape it in our own image. But we are conforming ourselves to the image of His Son, who is obedient to His Father's will. And I think, so authority is always, there's always somebody you got to answer to. Even the person, you know, in charge has to answer to somebody, uh, usually, and uh, ultimately that that stops with God himself, is that we all answer with God. So I think, I'm hoping, you know, as we talk about, you know, the role of of, of elders as uh, lay laymen and uh, spiritual, uh, you know, p- partners with the pastor, we understand that that's what this is about. It's not, you know, look at me, I'm an elder, I get to wear the hat and get the, you know, the... the <laughs> The congregational uh, key to the washroom. You know, I get a, I get a special place to park on Sunday. No, it's about hey, you better be willing to get your hands dirty, brother, and uh, be with people in their pain and suffering, and put some and, and not worry about your own schedule. But you're here to serve, and maybe you're just going to have to be available to people. I, I'm hoping that's what some of our listeners might get from our conversation today. Yeah, and and let me bring up a, 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 to kind of finish out here our podcast. Let me bring so can it, can uh, lay elders be a be a service to the church when you have a pastor that is uh, preaching false doctrine? Hmm. Uh, but I would I would say yeah, they're kind of 
I mean, they're they're the the safety net of the. Well, obviously, they would go to the the, the district president eventually. They have no executive authority to remove a pastor. Uh, I don't think on their own authority. No. You'd, you'd have to involve at that, some point the district. That's yeah. our that's our authority structure. But yeah, I think I think um, godly laymen need to be. I mean, respectfully, but need to be holding the pastor accountable. If he's off on some wild hair, and, you know, clearly, and I think the proper protocol would be, hey, pastor, uh, this is what we heard you say. Did you mean this, or did we misunderstand you? Let's try to clarify it first. And if he absolutely maintains a position that's contrary to Scripture, in some, you know, uh, we're talking probably about some egregious way, yeah, I think the layman has a duty uh, to hold him accountable and bring that uh, to the appropriate authority. Yeah, kind of the the Berean model, right? Yeah. 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 Out from the scriptures themselves. Yeah. They're yeah. into the word daily, and well, you know they yeah they they knew. So a Luther thing too, right? Is absolutely power of the councils, and as opposed to you know scripture alone. Right. So. Exactly. The scripture is our final authority. It's a priori. It has no. Yeah. No standard to judge it, but it's the judge against in which all others uh, stand or fall. So, I mean, no pastor is above. That, again, is the, the problem of, of the Roman Catholic Church is, you know, hey, you can't question us. You know, the, the priest is Superman. He's in, infallible. Infallible. Right. His ordination is ironclad. He can do what he wants in a sense, you know, and um, no. And I'm glad the secular authority had some some rights there too i think that was a time to go to the civil courts yeah. in in some regard but it starts you know the authority starts in, in at, at home so it should be the church council the church government and the uh, the elders would be probably leading that way I, uh, and you know and elders can fail too you know I, I think about a couple of different situations and this is of course before the law was given but uh aaron was pretty happy to take all the gold and make a fashion a yeah gold half yeah. uh, for the nation of Israel when Moses was up on the mountain. Eli, know. his sons uh, were scoundrels. Yeah. You know, you know, he was screwing up as a dad. His his sons weren't weren't honorable priests. Sure. So God turns to Samuel. Um, you can go down the line of well, even Paul a lot of male fail, failings, you know. Paul opposing Peter, right? When yeah. you know, uh, you know, Peter was was playing favorites with the uh, circumcision folks. Right. I would, I mean, to flip that around a little bit, I would say that a, a wise pastor asks a trusted elder, well, you know, I'm thinking about this or this come up. What What do you think? I have no problem talking to you, brother, about, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, and I'm not talking about maybe like, you know, hey, read my sermon. Is this OK? <laughs> I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, usually church polity issues. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Before a meeting, I might, you know, bounce something off of a trusted elder before I bring it up to the whole congregation. Um, that would be instead of the the elder being the the clergy, uh, you know, uh, police force, they would be more there as as uh, you know the the the, the uh, cabinet for the president. You know, what do you think about this, guys? Yeah. Or, you, know, you know, so that that would be, I think, appropriate role. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I love that. The kind of almost the way I've described it before, like the sounding board, there you the go. partner, you know. Right. Because um, we don't have all the answers. I don't, I mean, Marcus, you say the same thing. I'm sure, you know, pastors, we're not the, you know, we don't know everything about everything. I think a good, honest pastor will be very uh, humbly uh, glad to say that. 
um, even in matters of, of theology, sometimes I got to look at this again and I say, you know what, let me get, get back to you on that. Or, you know, I have to revisit this. Um, that, that's a sign of wisdom to say, you know, let, let me think about this, or even I don't know. But um, when it terms in a leadership in the church, and here we're talking more executive and temporal, um, absolutely, you want to talk to your, your uh, elders, and they should be trusted advisors. Is this, is this a good idea? Is this uh, a, a smart thought? And hopefully there will be men that just don't nod and go along with you, but they'll actually be, you know, uh, uh, constructively critical if, you know what, that doesn't, you know, have you considered this or this this might be the outcome of that, you know, and, and they help you, it's sounding board, they help you work through it a little bit. Save a lot well, of time and grief. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you both as as pastors say that that uh, a board of elders is a necessary and a good thing for your offices. Amen. Um, Amen. I, uh, I'm glad we had this discussion. And uh, I think, uh, you know, this is going to be something that will be uh, hopefully people will, 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 will think it's important to listen to and to and to respect uh, those that are in authority in the church. Um, I, and especially the especially the pastoral role, but as as uh, lay elders too, as as servants and and helpers to the pastor. So hey, this has been a great conversation. I'm I'm glad we've yeah, had it's it. good. Keep glad pastor to meet Mar- your pastor there, Marcus, brother. Yeah, Peace thank to you. Lord be with you. Good chatting here and having a beer together. We'll yeah. do it in person one of these days. I'll yeah. surprise uh, Mammoth. Hey, I'm here. Now yeah. I'll call you. He'll show. He'll you're, show. You're, you're, you're coming out our way, so I got to get out your way again here yeah. soon. Well, I'll be there. I'll be there soon enough. Amen. So. Looking forward to it. We'll we'll be chitting chatting over beers in in no time. Yeah. Well, uh, th- uh, thanks again, Pastor Marcus, for for uh, helping out here and uh, in your their thoughts and views. And you know, as as we kind of navigate in our church here at Living Hope, uh, a board of elders and how that can be beneficial to the people of God. I think this conversation's been been great. So. Top priority. Jesus yeah. first. I mean, that's the most important thing. Faithful preaching and the sacraments available at Christ instituted, but a good board of elders. Boy, that's an invaluable uh, partnership in ministry. Yeah. Well, I love you guys. Thanks. Thanks again. We'll, hey, brother. We'll love you too, man. There. Good talking and, all. Until we meet again.